disfigure their faces, that their fasting might be seen by others, truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. Now, in, in this age, they have it. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you then at the day of the Lord. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be, because the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, okay, if you have a King James, if your eye is, is singular, it's single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is, is bad, it's mixed, it's here and there your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, then how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. No one. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Either you'll have a single eye or a mixed eye. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve mammon, the spirit of this age, and God. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? Is the body not more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word. This is God's word. For this section of the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus makes the point forcefully yet again, okay? Over and over and over and over, he makes the point that eschatology, the day of the Lord, eternal life, the resurrection of the dead, the age to come, these things, this, eschatology is what drives discipleship, okay? This is what drives how we live. Live now in view of what will be then. Live now for the day of the Lord then. Live now for the judgment then. Live now for the reward then. Okay? Like, that's all he's saying. And he says it over and over and over and over. And so to emphasize this yet again, Jesus teaches his disciples in a rebuke of the Pharisees who pretend to live for the age to come. Right? Like, that's the deal. Outwardly, they're doing the right things, but it's make-believe. It's, it's pretend. It's to, to look good outwardly. He rebukes them, saying, you're just pretending. You're, you're really living for this age. You say you're living for that age. You're really living for this age. One foot here and one foot there, seeing if they can make them both work out. Okay? They're hedging their bets, trying to win now and win later. And so to teach this, Jesus says, don't, don't be like them. Don't pray like them. 
Don't fast like them. Don't give to the poor like them, right? They pray loudly at the temple. They fast and they disfigure their faces and make sure everyone knows they're fasting. When they give to the poor, what do they do? Look what I did. You know, really, that, that's what's going on. And therefore, verse 16, Jesus says, you do that, you can have, you have your reward. You've got it. Okay? You have the praise of man, you have prestige, you have the finest seat of the table, you've got it, man, it's yours. And verse 19, it's all going to turn to rust. It's going to blow away like chaff. It's here today and, and gone tomorrow forever. So, do you see why this is a rebuke of the Pharisees? Okay, This group of the Pharisees, and, and so when we say Pharisees, we don't mean all the Jews. We mean this group of religious leaders in Israel at the time. Okay? It's not like all Jews are doing this. It's this group. They actually believe. The Pharisees actually believe in the age to come. Okay? They believe in it more than you believe in it. Right? I mean, like, it's all they think about. It's all they've, they've grown up knowing and singing and praying. They know about it. They're not like the Gentiles who seek after reward now because it's all they know. Right? It's, it's, they don't know where history is going. Pharisees do, okay? They believe in the resurrection of the dead. They believe in the world to come. But the heart of the matter is not that they believe it. It's that they're not living for it. Right? Mentally ascending to these things. Yes, there will be a resurrection of the dead. Yes, there will be a day of the Lord. I know that. It's on paper. I say it, but I'm living for now. That's the problem. That's the issue with the Pharisees. They don't have a single eye that's focused on and living for one thing. They have a bad eye. A mixed eye, right? If you, um, I don't know if kids still do this. You take the pencil and you do this. Right? And you go across. And you can't do it with two pencils. Where your eyes go this way. But that's what they're doing. They've got an eye here and an eye there. They're trying to live for now and trying to live for then. And Jesus says you can't do it. Cannot. You cannot do it. You cannot serve two masters, the spirit of this age and of the age to come. You can have reward now or then. You can't have both. This is what he says. Okay? This is what Jesus is saying. So then he turns to the disciples in a rebuke of these guys and says, unlike the Pharisees who live for this age, you guys don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth. That's what they're doing. You don't, but lay up uh, uh, treasures in heaven. Lay up your treasures not now, but lay up your treasures then in heaven in the age to come when God opens the heavens and brings his reward down with him. We're, and, and moth's not getting to him now. Rust isn't getting to him now. Thieves aren't breaking in and stealing, you know what I mean? Like if they're, you know, thinking literally here, if they're next to God, like thieves aren't coming in and grabbing that thing. You know what I mean? It's safe. It's protected. First uh, Peter says it's guarded by God. An inheritance guarded by God to be revealed to you at the day of the Lord. So don't do that. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And your heart will be there because your eye is set there. That's what he says next, right? Your treasure is there, your heart will be there, and your eye will be there. For the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is singular, if your eye is healthy, right? If your eye is singular, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, if it's mixed, your whole body is full of darkness, okay? It says you've got to have an eye there or an eye here. You can't have both. If you try and do both, like the Pharisees, your whole body is full of darkness. And that's their issue, right? All the way through, outwardly. They've got the right thing, doing the right thing, fasting, praying, giving, the whole bit, saying the prayers, the whole thing. And Jesus says, you're whitewashed tombs. 
You clean the outside of the cup, but the inside's nasty. It's gross. They have two eyes set on two ages. They're trying to live for now and for then. And Jesus says, your heart will follow after these things, right? Where your treasure is, then your heart will be. That's where your eyes at. That's where it's set. So you, you seek first the kingdom of God. Unlike these things, you, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, unlike them, you set your eye, you set your heart, you set your gaze on the age to come and his righteousness, and all these things are going to be added unto you. You know what I mean? Like you get the reward then in full forever, never to be taken away. Ever. Ever. I hate this and I love it. I love it because it's so simple and so easy and like written for joy. Here you go, man. But I hate it because it's hard. It's so hard. Like, I love this age. My heart loves this age. My heart loves comfort. My heart loves getting reward now. And Jesus says, don't do it. Don't go after these things. Don't set your heart on these things. Instead, seek eternal life. Seek the age to come. Don't, don't worry about this age and all the anxieties and troubles and issues that it brings, right? If you're a human being, you've experienced these things? No? You guys are good. That's awesome. That's so easy. Dying is great. Instead, live for that day and you'll receive a lasting reward that will never fade away. That's all Jesus is saying here. Okay? And that's really all he says all the way through. It's really simple. It's really straightforward. Don't live for now. Live for the age to come. Okay? And so Jesus, as a first century Jew, lives his life and teaches his followers with this two-age framework. There is this age, and there is the age to come. There's everything before the day of the Lord, and there's everything after the day of the Lord. This one is passing away. That one is eternal. Don't be an idiot. Live for that one. And he play, like he's telling this to, to them because he loves them. And he's rebuking the Pharisees for this thing because he loves the Pharisees too. He loves the Pharisees. He died for the Pharisees. He's up on the cross. They're the ones who put him there. And he's we, in Sunday school this morning. Father, forgive them. They're idiots. Don't know what they're doing. Forgive the Romans too. They're idiots for different reasons. God, I want them to know what, what mercy, the mercy of God looks like. So I'm dying for them. I'm not calling down 10,000 legions of angels right now, although I could. Not doing it. I want them to inherit eternal life. And so to explain this whole dynamic, that it's more important to live for the ages, you have to live for the ages to come, and not for now. You can't do both. He tells a parable. Okay, Luke 16. It's the same context as Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Same message. And Luke 16 is the, the parable of the, uh, the shrewd manager. Okay, if you... You raise your hand if you like. That's familiar to me. And it's also a super confusing parable. Okay. Well, if you have a two-age framework, this age and the age to come, and you get some translation issues worked out with the word shrewd, the parable gets really simple, really easy. And when I had it explained to me this way, I was so mad because it was so simple and so easy. And so it had been confusing. And then someone explained it to me, and I was like, oh, I'm dumb. Okay. I'm as Gentile as Gentile can be on some things. Verse, so Luke 16, he says, There's a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. Okay, And he says, Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be Mr. Manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? 
since my uh, master is taking up the management away from me. Okay? So, make it simple. We got a guy here who has stewarded his job poorly. Okay? What's this I hear about you? You're done. He stewarded his job poorly, and judgment is coming, right? You've messed this up. I'm firing you. So the man thinks, what shall I do since judgment is coming? How shall I live now based on what's going to happen then? Okay? Crystal clear? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what I will do. So that when I am removed from management, when my judgment comes, people may receive me into their houses. Okay? What shall I do now so that when judgment comes, then I receive a reward? Okay? I, I, I have a place to live. How can I be sober now about my predicament of coming judgment and therefore respond rightly to it? Right? He can see the writing on the wall. He knows judgment's coming. He knows he's got a little bit of time before this day. So how's he going to act? How's he going to live? What's he going to do? Verse 5. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And this guy says, I owe him a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Okay? Now, if you have a bill of a hundred, would you rather pay a hundred or would you rather pay 50? You math people. Okay? <laughs> 50. I would rather pay 50. And I would feel very loved and cared for and cherished by the guy who's only going to charge me 50 instead of a hundred. Yes? Maybe to the point that after that guy ever got fired or something bad ever happened to him, he was so kind to me then, I might let him live in my house now. Maybe not that far, but... <laughs> okay. Comes to another guy, says, how much do you owe? He goes, I owe 100 measures of wheat. He says, all right, sit down, write 80. That will work, okay? So this is how he lived now in view of what's to come. Then he lowered other people's bills, okay? Serving them, loving them. Caring for them, looking out for them, maybe not with, you know, totally innocent intentions, but definitely wise intentions, right? Definitely smart, definitely um, shrewd, so that, he does this, so that after his judgment comes, they'll receive him into their homes, right? You lowered my bill. I was in a bind and you lowered my bill. You can live with me until you get back on your feet. You see what I'm saying? Very easy, very simple. So what happened? Verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. This guy was meant to receive punishment because of how he had acted, but instead he receives commendation. Right? Instead he receives reward. And we get that, but why? Why does the master commend this man? Well, the Bible says because of his shrewdness. Now, in English, we hear shrewdness, and that's bad, right? It's cold, mischievous, um, malicious, but that's not what it means here. And the same word is used 15 other times in the New Testament. You know what it means? Not cold or malicious or mischievous. It means smart, wise, okay? Like, person who thinks, person who is sober about what's going on, a person who is sensible. So you read in the King James, the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done, not shrewdly, but wisely. The master rewards this servant because of how wise he acted in view of coming judgment. Do we all get that? <laughs> right? Eschatology drives discipleship. That's what's going on. The steward who was previously unwise in view of future judgment now acted wisely. He lived prior to the judgment in view of what would come after. 
And so Jesus says, the sons of this world, or, or age in, in CSB, they're more wise, they're more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Unrighteous wealth being the things in this age. Make friends for yourself with the things in this age now, so that when it fails, when this age fails, they may receive you into eternal demise in the age to come. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, if you haven't been faithful with the things in this age, who will entrust you with true riches in the age to come? And then Jesus says, just like Matthew 6, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Same thing as Matthew 6. You can't live for this age and that one. You can't have a mixed eye. You have to have a singular eye. You have to live for the age to come. So give now, pray now, fast now, not for reward now, but for reward then. Yeah, I know, it's just so easy. So, so and, 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 but it's the opposite of what the Pharisees were doing. So after Jesus tells this story, who gets mad, verse 14, the Pharisees who were lovers of money. Okay? And when Jesus wants to contrast this age and age to come, he always comes for a waltz. Always. And maybe that's because that was the Pharisees' main thing, but I don't think we've moved on too far from that. The Pharisees who were lovers of money, they heard all these things about this steward who lived wisely before that day, and they ridiculed Jesus. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. You pray, you fast, you give to the poor for the reward of men, but God knows your hearts. He knows. Like, you're not fooling him. For what is exalted among men now is an abomination in the sight of God then at the judgment. So which do you want? Do you want reward now? Okay. Or do you want reward then? This, you get now, it's going to pass away. It's going to fade away. It's going to rust. It's going it's to turn to nothing. We're going to look at it like, oh, I worked really hard for that. That reward then never fades away. In, incorruptible, undefilable, kept in heaven for you. Okay? So the dishonest manager, even though he's in a state of condemnation now, right? You did a bad job. I'm going to take your job from you. Even though he's in a state of condemnation, he lived for the judgment. And so we too should use our resources to live for that day and store up eternal treasures for that day that don't go away. And I just like, Jesus can't be any more emphatic about this. You, you can't have both. You can't. You, you can't serve this age and the age to come. You can't store up treasure now and then. You can't store up treasure on earth and in heaven. You can't serve this master and that master, God, and money. And Jesus doesn't say it's difficult. Right? When Jesus talks to, to the rich young ruler, right, the guy comes to him and says, says Messiah, I've, I've kept all the commandments. What else do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, knowing this guy, says, oh, well, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor to pick up your cross and follow me. And the guy goes away sad. And Jesus, it says Jesus looked at the man and loved him. Right? He wanted that guy to inherit eternal life. Looked at him, loved him, and he says, it's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Right? It's just difficult. And then the disciples are like, oh, geez, then who can inherit eternal life? And then Jesus says, with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. You guys who have left everything and followed me, and you'll sit on 12 phones. Right? <coughs> for that guy, for the rich man, it's difficult. For this, Jesus says it's impossible. 
That rich man can actually inherit eternal life. People who try and serve both ages, Jesus says, you cannot do it. You cannot serve God and Him. You, you can't. You can't. And this is the 24-7 war in our heart, is to live for the age to come when everything about us wants to live for this age and love this age and put our hope in this age. And Jesus is telling us in love, I'm hopefully telling you in love, you can't do it. You can't. It, it's impossible. But... <laughs> If you set your eye on the age to come, your heart will follow. It'll follow. Like, that's, that's why we do Christianity stuff. That's why we pray and read our Bible and gather and sing and, and, and do all this stuff so that our hearts get set there. Right? Because the default setting of my heart and the default setting of my eye is always this age. And it's only when I open up this book... <laughs> Turn on this tablet. When I open up this book and gather with the saints and pray, then the setting of my heart goes back that way and says, Hey, you can't do it, man. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. This, like, we get 80, 90 years at most. It is foolish to live for that. It's foolish. And if you love it enough, you get a lake of fire and not the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so this brings up the question. It's a good question. I hope you're, I hope you're asking it and I hope, I hope you're thinking it. Because Jesus says you have to live for that age. You can't live for this one. You can't do it. you got a single eye or a mixed eye. Either you've got your heart set there or not. Either you're serving man or you're serving God. Like you, you can't do it. So this brings up the question. If I live, if I live for the age to come only, not doing the mixed eye Pharisee thing or the only this eye Gentile thing, if I'm doing that thing, if I live for the age to come only, and I live in meekness, right? And I, just the attitudes. If, I, if I, I choose a poor spirit, if I live in mourning, and if I hunger and thirst for righteousness, and, and, and I'm showing mercy to people who aren't merciful to me, and if I live with a pure heart, and as a peacemaker, and I'm persecuted for righteousness' sake, if I live with a single eye, and if I live only to store up treasure in heaven for then, and, and don't live to store up treasure now, if I do that, the question is, will God take care of me? Right? If I, like, is God going to come through if I sell the farm for the age to come? Yeah. Will God take care of me? Or, shorter question, if I follow Jesus, will I be okay? Good question. Normal question. Human question. Because you're saying, give it all to follow me. Okay, leave, leave your father's home. Follow me. Sell the farm. Leave everything to do this. And if I do this, will I be okay? Okay? Because I have needs in this age. Right? House, food, clothes, bills, like these are all real needs of real humans. And so the question is, if I give to the poor, and I want to do that, Jesus, like I want to follow you. If I give to the poor, will I have enough to eat? Good question. Shrewd question, right? Wise question. If I give to the poor, will I have enough to eat? And Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. That your heavenly Father takes care of them. Are you not more valuable than they are? My brother Nehemiah loves birds, but he loves humans more. You know what I mean? If I give to the poor, will I be able to be clothed? And Jesus says, well, consider the lilies of the field. If God clothes them, will he not much more clothe you? 
See, the question like, it's can I hedge my bets with God? Is God trustworthy? If I follow Jesus, am I going to be okay? And here in Matthew 6, Jesus seems to say yes. You'll have food. If you, if you sell everything and give to the poor, you will still have food. If you sell everything and, and give to the poor, you will still have clothes. That, that's what he says here. But I, I, I do want to give a caveat here. I, I have to read this as a general statement from the Lord because... We have a, a biblical history and, and just a, a, a disciples of Jesus' history in general that shows us people who followed hard after God, who, who sold the farm for the age to come, and they were not clothed in this age, but, but they were found naked. They, they gave everything to follow Jesus, and they were not fed, and they starved, right? This is a portion of Hebrews 11. Some of those, like, you know, Abraham lived in a lot sojourning, but in a lot of riches, and then there's that other group in Hebrews 11 who were sawn in two, okay, thrown to the lions, clothed and tarred and feathered. And, and so you got to make room for that, okay? But the general point is this, and the emphasis of this passage is that God will take care of you if you sell everything and follow Him, right? Whatever that, it's going to look different for different people. I, the, one bad thing to do is to read the rich young ruler's story and say, well, all of us have to sell everything, Okay? Then where would we stay if no one had home? But a worse thing, worse than that, I think, is to read the rich young ruler passage and to read this passage and say, that's definitely not for me, no more discussion. You know what I mean? The emphasis of the passage is that God will take care of you. You will have clothes, you will have food, you will have housing. And guys, if you sell everything to follow Jesus and you fall flat on your face, you can live at my house. You can live at, at a house, like, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to take care of you. No one in our church will ever go hungry. No one in our church will, will ever go unclothed. No one in our church will ever be without a house. We will take care of you. And if we don't, the day of the Lord will be very bad for us. If he clothes the flowers of the field, if he feeds the birds, are you not of more value than they? That's what he's saying, okay? Now, look, with that being true, if he said it, I think it's true. No, it's true. If he said it, and that's true, look what this does to the human heart. It frees you from anxiety. That's the point of the passage, right? It's building up to all this stuff, right? You can't live for this age and the age to come. Only store up treasures here. Da-da-da, he'll take care of you. And then the next thing he says is, therefore... Don't be anxious about your life. Okay? Because, where does anxiety come from? It comes from serving two masters. And when this explained to me, I hated it. <laughs> comes from serving two masters. Anxiety, all of our anxiety, comes from trying to put hope in this age and the age to come. And Jesus says you can't do it. You can't do it. If you put your hope in the things of this age, what happens when those things don't work out? Okay? If your hope is in this age, what happens when your business fails? Okay? What happens if your marriage is just kind of... No, that never happens to Christians, ever. Okay? What happens if, if your kids are just kind of... What happens if your church is... What happens when your church is... Okay? 
What if those things don't work out? Well, if you, if you put your hope in those things, all, all things in this age, and, and, and if you put your hope in that, and success in this age, and happiness in this age, and satisfaction in this age, if those things don't work out, you are crushed. Okay? And you're filled with anxiety, and you're filled with, with hopelessness. What, like, what if you end up poor? What if you end up bankrupt and destitute? What if you end up persecuted? What if you don't, and I know shocking for Americans, what if you don't get what you wanted? What if you don't? If you put your hope in those things, you are, you're serving two masters, and you're filled with anxiety, and you're filled with fear, and you're filled with hopelessness. Why? Because you're acting just like the Gentiles who chase after these things because it's all they know. Like, what is the Gentile creed? What is the Gentile spirit? Eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow we die. This is it. Right? The Jews know where history is going. They know it's leading to this great day of God where he opens the heavens and makes all things new, raises the dead. The Gentiles think, eat, drink tomorrow, or be merry for tomorrow, or we die. That's it. This age is all there is. So they put all of their hopes in these things. They run after these things. They spend themselves to get all the things of this age. And then they die, and that's it. <laughs> and so when the eating and the drinking and the merrymaking is taken away, they're crushed because that's when they put all their hope. And Jesus is saying, not so with you. Not so with you. You're not like the Gentiles who have a single eye, but it's only on this age. And you're not like the Pharisees who have a mixed eye, one eye on, on this age and one eye on the age to come, you are those with a single eye on the age to come. So therefore, don't be anxious. That's secure. That's set. That's not going anywhere. It lasts forever. And that frees you from anxiety in this age. And you don't have to think, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Because I'm just seeking first that kingdom, and that day, and that city, and I know it'll be okay. All these things will be added to you, therefore don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So the way, according to, to, to Jesus, right, this wouldn't be my method, okay? My method for anxiety involves a beach, for a drink, Okay. Not alcoholic. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just don't like how it tastes. The way you live free of anxiety now is you devote yourself to something that can't be shaken. You, you devote yourself to something that will come through in, in the end. Okay? And we know that comes through in the end because God raised Jesus from the dead. If Jesus is still in the grave, don't hope in the age to come, okay? It ain't happening, okay? And the Gentiles are right. Eat, drink, be merry, tomorrow we die. But if God did raise Jesus from the dead as a confirmation of every promise he made to Eve and every promise he made to Abraham and every promise to Noah and David and the prophets, and he said, this is where history is going, and then he raises that guy up out of the dead, and that happened, you can put your hope in the age to come because God's coming through on all of his promises. Don't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> and it's true. You put your hope there. And you put your heart and your eye and your treasure in what lasts. And then, when the things of this age don't work out, and if you're a human, you know they don't work out. Some things do, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from God, and we praise Him for those things, and we thank Him for those things, and we shout and scream and clap and have meals about those things. Like, even, so, sorry. Even... Even this age being what it is, right? 
present evil age. Right? God is still so kind to us in, 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 in so, so many ways. Like, if you've ever eaten a hamburger, right? It's like, wow, this is a present evil age. And this is a bird. Like, so I don't want to... But if these things don't work out, and they don't, they don't work out. They just don't. When the things of this age don't work out, it doesn't crush you because your hope was never there anyway. The Gentiles' hope is in this age. When those things are taken away, they're crushed. Jesus says, followers of me, okay, those who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, their hope's there. That, way, that means they can praise God and thank God for the things in this age that happen and are good and, and, and are blessings from God. Like I don't want to dismiss those things. But when they don't work out, in the spirit of this age, generally that they don't, they're not crushed because my hope's never been in this age anyway. It's just not where it's at. This is a lesson Paul um, teaches us. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed like the Gentiles are. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed, right? The things in this age are all crumbling and passing away and not working out. But Paul says, I'm not crushed by it. I'm not driven to despair by it. I'm not forsaken by it. I'm not destroyed by it. Right? And this is, again, guys, that are, are under 30 people we got people older than us who have gone through all of this and are still not crushed and still not driven to despair and still not forsaken and still not destroyed. And we need to embrace that and rejoice in that and ask them questions about how they did it because it's going to happen to us too. So we honor you guys. Thank you guys for living as, as testimonies of people who live for the age to come. Don't put their hope in this age. He keeps going so we don't lose heart. Don't lose heart, because that's not taken away, even if this is. We don't lose heart. The, our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, meaning now, okay? Not to these things, but to the things that are unseen, meaning then, okay? Not visible, invisible, now and then, okay? Because it's then is very material, real. I don't look to these things. These things are, that are seen, they're transient, they're going away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent of our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, that's eternal in the heavens and will come down. Never taken away. So you can, this, this age might crush you and, and, and grind on you and, and on and on and on and on and on. And Jesus says, don't be anxious about it. Because that's not, <laughs> it's not going away. It's not going away. So, um, the, the team will come up. I'll stop. So, what I don't want, uh, don't want this to come across as this, as uh, in Philippians, Paul says, don't worry and don't be anxious. And I just want to hit him when he says that. Because, like, well, yeah, I would do that if it was just done. You know what I mean? So, I don't want us to say that don't be anxious, think about the birds, think about the lilies, set your eye on the anxious come. I don't want anyone to leave here thinking that that's some automatic thing that happens. 
and I just walk out of here and say, okay, I'm going to live for the age to come, and I'm not going to be anxious, and I'm not going to worry, and I'm going to sell everything to follow Jesus, and I know that he'll take care of me, and if he doesn't, I'm still not going to have anxiety about that. Done. Right? I don't want you thinking that. But what I do want you to think, I, I do want you to have Matthew 6 here in your guts, in your heart, in your mind, walking it out with other people so that when you do get a point where you're crushed, okay, where, 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 what does Paul say? Where you're perplexed, where you're persecuted, where you're struck down, you've got this in your guts. And you can pray on it and meditate and say, God, I know you said don't be anxious. I'm very anxious. You said don't worry. I'm full of worry. And so I need you by the Spirit to help me set my eye on the age to come. And I feel like I've got a mixed eye, one eye I'm hoping in this age, one eye hoping in the age to come. Lord, by the Spirit, set my gaze, fix my heart on that day. Set my eye then so that my heart will follow and I will get through this thing. I will get through this age. I will be like Abraham, God, and walk out into the wilderness seeking a city that lasts, that's eternal. I'll set my hope on, on, on the inheritance that's, that's kept in heaven for me, guarded by God that is incorruptible and unfading. God, would you, would you, uh, by your spirit, God, mark Christian Life Church with single eyes. I said, on the age to come. Eyes, eyes free from anxiety. Free from hoping in this age. Rejoicing, God, when you give us a picture of that age now. Rejoicing in every good gift, rejoicing in every uh, bit of laughter, God, and everything that, that does work out to your glory, God, rejoicing in those things, but not being crushed if you're taken away. Because our hope is set on that day. Our eyes are set on that day, and our heart follows after those things. So if you want to, um, actually, let's all stand. If you got anxiety about the things in this age, um, I, I want to pray for you. So, um, uh, I'll just be over there, okay? So you can come right now. Uh, I'm gonna pray for all of us, and then uh, I'll be over there. I just wanna pray for for those of us, and I'm praying for. I, again, I love this age. Okay, my my eyes are mixed. 